an 80-year-old woman was now being married for the fourth time. Well, many people began to talk about the situation, so much so that a reporter was sent to her house to interview her and to ask her questions about her life and about her husband's. Well, the interviewer said, we understand that you've been married four times. Now, help us understand how is it that you've been married four times and what's happened to your husbands and who were they, the kind of people that you've married. She paused for a moment and she said, well, she had in her early 20s, she had first married a banker. She said then she had married a circus ringmaster. She said in her later years, she went on to marry a preacher. And she said, and then my last husband was a funeral director. <laughs> the interviewer thought for a moment, quite a diverse you know, amount of men that you've been married to. He said, any specific reason why you've married these men? She says, oh yes. She said, the first one, one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. <laughs> for the last several weeks, we've been on the theme in the evenings on the series that I entitled The Rescue. And this morning will actually be the final message in that series of the rescue. And we've looked at many ways throughout the scripture that God had rescued his people in different ways throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament in looking at different things and, and places that have happened. And so this morning, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 27? Matthew chapter 37, starting from verse 32. And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word. Matthew 27, starting from verse 32. This is the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who were going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. 
He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came across the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Elo, Eloi, lama shabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Let us pray. Father, this morning we thank you for the privilege that is ours to come into your house. And Lord, as we dive deeper into your holy word, we thank you that you are the God who comes to our rescue. And so, Father, may you open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you, and may you help us to be obedient as we respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. This story of the crucifixion of Jesus is usually heard and read and told on the Easter weekend, on the season that we specifically put aside to reflect the death and the resurrection of Jesus. One of the core things that as Christians we understand is that Jesus came to earth with a purpose in mind. He came to earth and he had done many things throughout his life and his ministry here on earth, but the main purpose and mission that he came for was to die for our sins, to die in our place, to take our place for the things that we could not pay for. Jesus knew that we could not save our sin ourselves, and so he voluntarily came and took our place. God came to our rescue. He came and he stood on our behalf, and he came to us in our time of need. This past week, the United States of America celebrated a wonderful holiday called Thanksgiving that many of you are aware of. The day after Thanksgiving has been come to been known as Black Friday, which I'm sure most of you have heard of as well. A day that marks the day after Thanksgiving where many people go out of their way to make purchases and go to stores to get the best deals possible that they can get, right? And even in Canada and other places, many people have now adopted that mentality of Black Friday, specifically because they feel that they're getting such a great deal. Have any of you gotten any great deals? <laughs> Some, maybe. 
But many people go out of their way for this day of Black Friday. They get up early, they travel to where it is they need to go, they line up maybe for hours and just to get a good deal, right? As I reflect on this day of Black Friday, as I think about the purpose and the things that people have to go through in order to get such an amazing deal, a deal that they may not get again throughout the year, a deal that they just can't pass up, it causes me to reflect on this passage of scripture to say on the very first Black Friday, on the very first Black Friday, the most amazing deal that we will ever come across in our lives was made. The most amazing deal was made so that Jesus could come and offer us this wonderful deal of salvation. He is the God who comes to our rescue. He is the God who comes to our rescue and he offers us forgiveness for our sins. He offers us the forgiveness for our sins. You see, before Jesus' death on the cross, in order for people to be forgiven and for their sins to be atoned for, an animal sacrifice had to be made. A life for a life. The blood had to be shed in order for us to be forgiven, in order for us to be atoned for temporarily, an animal sacrifice needed to be made. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Blood had to be shed. And so the people would line up at the tabernacle. They would line up with their animal sacrifice and in order for they and their family to be forgiven and of their sins, they would take this offering to the high priest and the, the priest would offer the sacrifice and basically temporarily forgive them on behalf of God for the sins that had been committed. And so they were temporarily forgiven and you see Jesus was the spotless lamb that came he was and he is the ultimate sacrifice he came down from heaven and he voluntarily gave his life up for us as that lamb the blood that Jesus shed cleanses us it washes us clean you know the song where it asks what can wash away our sins Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed, a perfect sacrifice, a perfect alternative that was given so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be atoned for. He comes to our rescue and he offers us forgiveness. He comes and he offers us that gift of forgiveness. After Jesus' sacrifice, once and for all on that cross, there was no sacrifices that was needed anymore. He was the once and for all sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that needed to be made. In Hebrews 10, verse 12 and 14, it says, Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, and by a single offering, he has perfected for all time 
those who are sanctified. We don't need to carry an animal in order to be forgiven and have that animal shed. We need to call on the name of Jesus. We need to come before him humbly, acknowledging that we have done wrong, for we all have done wrong, and know that he is willing and that he is able to forgive us. You see, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't even matter what you've done in your life, where you've lived, what religion you've followed. Jesus comes to bring us forgiveness. And he wants us to turn to him. He wants us to acknowledge him as the one true living God. He wants us to look to him as Savior and as Lord. And all we need to do is to trust in him. First John Chapter 1, verse 9 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All we need to do is to confess and to believe, and he is able to cleanse us. On that day, on that very first Black Friday, what needed to be paid was paid. What had to be done was done. Jesus did it. He came to our rescue so that we could be forgiven. Jesus, in coming to the cross and being crucified on that cross, also offers us a restored relationship with God. In God coming to our rescue, he offers us a restored relationship with himself. From the very beginning, we read in the Bible that Adam and Eve had such wonderful fellowship with God. They walked with God. They talked with God. They had fellowship and relationship with him. But once sin entered into the picture, that relationship that they once had that was so close, that bond that they shared was now broken. You see, sin comes and it separates us from God a holy God from a sinful people. That's what sin does. It separates us from God. In our study on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at the the tabernacle and the setup of the tabernacle. And one of the main parts in the tabernacle was a room called the Holy of Holies that housed the Ark of the Covenant that was shielded by the veil. The very same veil that when Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross and he said that it is finished and he died, that same veil was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing that it was now over, that that separation between God and man was now bridged because Jesus came and restored that for us. You see, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can now have a direct relationship with God. Do you understand how powerful that is? That we don't have to go through someone else to have a relationship with God. But now we have direct access to God. The people used to have to go to the priests in order to ask God for something or to hear from God or to be atoned for their sins or, or forgiven. But now we can go directly through to God through Jesus Christ. He is, this Bible tells us, our high priest. He is the one who intercedes for 
us, between God and between man. Jesus has come and offered us a restored relationship with God. This morning, some of you may be thinking to yourself, I have a relationship with God. But maybe for many years you have not had that connection with God that you desire to have. And this morning God says, you can have a restored relationship with me. You can have that connection with me. God wants a relationship with his people. He has come so that we can have that relationship with him. He has offered that to us. All we need to do is to accept it. We can now pray directly to God. We can now go directly to him through Jesus Christ. Jesus comes to our rescue and offers us a restored relationship with him. God also comes and he offers us eternal life. He offers us the gift of eternal life and he has made it possible for each one who will believe. John chapter three verse 16 is very familiar but beautiful at the same time in reminding us for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God comes so that we could be redeemed, so that we could have that relationship with him, so that we can experience eternal life. Eternal life is a gift that is given to us as believers. Many people believe different things, but Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to eternal life. And you see, there's such an urgency for us as believers to understand this truth. Because in order for us to attain this gift of eternal life, we must first trust in the one who offers the gift of eternal life. And so are you trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord? Are you trusting in him, acknowledging that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, acknowledging that he is the only way to eternal life, that he is the only way to heaven. Jesus comes and offers us salvation. Why I call this series The Rescue is because if you think of someone who needs to be rescued, it means someone who is in danger, someone who cannot save themselves, someone who is in need of someone else coming in to the very situation that they're in and bringing them out. And that is exactly what Jesus has done. He has come to our rescue, for we are not able to save ourselves, for we are sinners saved by his amazing grace. And he comes, steps down from heaven, steps down from his throne, and comes into our very situation in order to take us out. And he offers us salvation. He offers us that gift of eternal life that is only found in him. Are you trusting in him today? It's so sad sometimes when I think about many different people and even under Christendom and some 
people who claim to be Christians and their ideas of how they get to heaven one day. And some people trust in symbols, some trust in other people, some trust in this and that and whatnot. And the Bible reminds us that some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord. There is only one way to salvation, and it doesn't matter what object you pray to, it doesn't matter what person you pray to, but salvation is found in no one else but in Jesus Christ alone. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in that name, and that's why God says, don't take my name in vain, because there is power in the name of Jesus. When you call on the name of Jesus, there is power that comes out of that name. And so we carry that name, and we put it higher than any other name. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of our lives. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It is a personal decision that we need to make, and I ask you, on this Sunday, have you made that decision? Have you made that decision? And it's as simple as this, Romans chapter 10 verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It is as simple as that. That is the first step to coming into relationship with God. Are you trusting in him? We need to make that first step, and he will continue to do the rest. What he has started, he will see to completion. Are you trusting in him today? You see, we need to be saved, and Jesus has come to do that. He is the God who comes to our rescue and offers us that which we cannot have on our own, that which we cannot provide for ourselves, but he offers us forgiveness of our sins, a restored relationship with him, that is God, eternal life. Jesus has come to offer us salvation. And my question to you is, have you accepted that gift that he has come to offer? You see, today can be a day where maybe for the first time you make that decision to trust in the Lord, to acknowledge him as your savior and your Lord. Or maybe you have put your faith in him many years ago. Today can be that day where you ask him to help renew that commitment that you've made. To ask him to help you in many different areas. Or maybe you simply need to say, God, you need to help me. You know what's going on in my life. You know the struggles that I face. And I need you to remind me that you are the God who comes to my rescue. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for the different ways that we read about in the scriptures where you have come to your people, that you have rescued them and helped them and provided for them and set them free and have done so many different things, oh God. And Lord, we're reminded that you are a good, good God, that no matter what we face in this life, no matter what we go through, we can be reassured that you are right there with us. And so, Father, this morning, I pray for each person here 
that you would draw close, O oh God, and that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would move in each life, and that, God, you would help us, O oh Lord, if there are things on each one's heart, that you would help us to come to you, O oh God, and acknowledge it to you, and, and that you, Lord, would help us according to our need. And so, Father, we commit each one, we commit each need into your hands, and we thank you once again that you have come to our rescue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you